Before we start our Torah study tonight, let's pray together. Baruch Adonai Lahenu Melech Haolam Asher Kitsheno BaMitzvatav Etivanu LaAsok BaDivrei Torah. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the Universe, who sanctifies us with His commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. I want to talk to you tonight about an idea that that can be expressed in this way. We can unchain our futures. Our futures may be in chains somewhere, and we may be stuck in the present without regard for what God wants to do in the future. We see this in the Torah portion this week when we look at something that Moses gets caught up in. And if you haven't been following the studies in Exodus, I encourage you to catch up and to listen to the podcasts and to read the Torah portions and study together with us because each of our studies builds on prior times and prepares for other times as well. But even so, it's useful sometimes just to start. If, you, if you've never been a student of the scriptures and you've never followed along in the Torah readings and the prophetic readings of the Haftorah and the readings of the Brita Chadashah, I encourage you to try to join in with us. It's a wonderful uh, way to build, you, to build yourself up. But I want to ask you to turn to um, Exodus chapter 18, which describes a very interesting situation that Moses finds himself in. Now, I was thinking about how we read about um, the children of Israel caught at the Red Sea. Do you remember that? And the Egyptians are chasing them. And there is a sea, the Sea of Reeds or the Red Sea in front of them. They are trapped, at least they think they're trapped. God is the one who led them that way. He he took them that way on purpose, it wasn't a mistake, because he wanted to do something definitive. And when they were there, fear just overtook all of the people. In in fact, that's understandable because it was a terrifying situation. People genuinely recognized that their lives and the lives of their loved ones were, were in danger, that they were threatened. But in that situation, it was so easy for people to forget that God had a plan and he had a solution, even if the people didn't know what it was yet. They had to choose to either give in to fear or to accept the lies of fear, because fear was masquerading as wisdom, and fear was battling against the faith of the people. And some of you are in situations right now where you're in a battle too, and the fears that you have seem to be coaching you better than the faith that you have. Well, the children of Israel expressed their fear, not just internally, not just with emotion and thought, but they expressed it externally, and they began to cry out such things as, didn't we tell you to leave us alone when we were in Egypt? Are there not enough graves in Egypt that you had to bring us out here to die? Why did you do this to us? This is what they said to Moses. 
So you could say that on that day, Moses was the most unpopular fellow in all of Israel, among the Jewish people. Now, there was a moment when everything changed, when the sea opened up, the Spirit of God sent a wind and dried the land through the night. The children of Israel then crossed through on dry ground. They got to the other side. And when they got to the other side, they were just so happy. They saw the Egyptians chasing them, and then the waters collapsed on them, and not one Egyptian made it through. And the children of Israel were full of song and dance at that point. But we learned something, that miracles are fantastic. Miracles are necessary, but miracles are notoriously um, weak in changing people's character. And here's the reason. Miracles can be forgotten. Miracles happen in a moment and then life continues. The, the character that is formed in us takes time to develop. It's not formed in an instant, it's developed over time. This is why babies are born as babies and then they have decades to grow up in order to be men and women. Can you imagine if you had a full grown man who didn't know how to do anything and is like a few days old, it would seem bizarre, wouldn't it? Babies you know are babies, but adults are supposed to be adults. In the same way, when you go through a miracle, it doesn't turn you into something new. It just can be, it can be useful. It is useful. How many have ever been in a situation where you really needed a breakthrough miracle from the Lord and he gave it to you? Aren't you grateful for that? And has that happened more than once? Have you ever needed miracle again and again? Some people's financial planning is entirely based on miracles. Some people's medical planning is based on that. And it's not really the best plan. <laughs> As the financial planners in the room are saying, Miracles are powerful, miracles are important, miracles are necessary, and we can be grateful for them. But after we experience the miracle, our character is probably the same. It's what we do in the days, the weeks, the months, and the years following. Do we stay with the Lord? Do we continue in faith? Do we strengthen ourselves? Do we, do we feast on the word of God? Do we put into practice the word of God? These things are really, really important. Do you remember the whole purpose of going out of Egypt could be summed up this way. Let my people go so that they can worship me. That's how we like to think about it in, in English. The Hebrew is more expansive. So that they may serve me. Serve me. Serve me. Not Pharaoh and not anything else in life, but serve me. That serving God would be the foundation of their freedom. Well, this was the whole purpose, to come into a place of liberty to serve the Lord in fullness. 
That was what God was wanting to do for the children of Israel. So they get through all this. They get through the moments of complaining about God and Moses and the trouble that they're facing and all of that. They get through the Red Sea, they cross over and it's like, who is like the Lord? He's awesome. Until tomorrow, when you have to wake up again and start all over with the same character you had two days ago. So Moses went from being the most unpopular guy to maybe the most popular guy among the children of Israel, as we read in Exodus 18. At least he was the most popular guy for people who had problems, for people who had conflicts or disputes with each other. He was, he was the one to see, and in fact, everyone it seemed who had such problems wanted to see him. So we read in Exodus 18, verse 13, that on the next day, after Moses and his father-in-law Jethro or Jethro had talked, Moses sat to settle disputes for the people while the people stood around Moses from morning until evening. And when Jethro, Jethro, Moses' father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing to the people, he said, what is this that you're doing to the people? Isn't that an interesting way of putting it? He didn't say, what are you doing for the people? He didn't say, man, you are really sacrificing. He didn't say, you are, you are a martyr. You're a hero. No. Jethro said, what are you doing? What are you doing to the people? Why do you sit there all by yourself with all the people standing around you from morning until evening? And Moses answered his father-in-law. Okay, now, this is why I think the future was chained up. Even though the children of Israel had come out of slavery, it doesn't mean that slavery had come out of all the people. Not only that, but Moses was now trying to deal with people's problems in an unprecedented way. Now, what's a large congregation today? Thousands? Yeah, well, Moses had the biggest congregation in world history. The biggest local congregation in the history of the world. He had probably at least two million people with him. Without electricity, without microphones, without speakers, without an iPhone, no texting, no mass communication. He somehow had the largest congregation that there was. And now he's having to deal with everyone's problems. This has become his life. And he's asked, why are you doing this? And why do people have to wait in line from morning until night, and if they can't see you, by implication, they have to come back the next day and get in line. And Moses answers his father-in-law, and he basically says, I have to. 
It's because the people come to me seeking guidance from the Lord. Whenever they have a dispute, it comes to me, and I judge between one person and another, and I explain to them God's laws and his teachings. Have you ever been trapped in a situation or trapped in a condition? Anybody trapped right now? You're stuck. If you could get out right now, you would. (laughs) Yeah, it's not uncommon. Most of us go through it at some times. Well, Moses, in a sense, was trapped by his own solution. His solution is, everybody just stand in line, and I'll get to you when I can. And Moses is not a guy without strength or power. He has perseverance. He has commitment. He, he's not a guy who just gives up. He's got the, the kind of character where he would, he would go to the bitter end in order to fulfill what he needs to fulfill. But there's a problem, and Moses doesn't really see the problem. Moses thinks that this is a solution for the problem, but his father-in-law sees the problem differently. Moses is thinking, I've got to do this. I have to do it. Anybody ever have such responsibility at work And you just say, I just got to do it. I have to do what I have to do. And you rally, you fortify yourself. Anybody have students and you just say, I got to go to that class. It's not that I, oh, I have to. Have you ever had a job like that? Have you ever had a congregation like that? When you're, when you're in the condition where life is really dreary and bleak, and when you think that the situation that you're in and the solutions you've created to deal with that are what you must do, you may absolutely have lost sight of your future. That's what happened with Moses. Moses was dealing with the present situation in a way that he thought was faithful. But it wasn't faithful to the future that God had in mind for him or for Israel. Yes, it was faithful in the sense of perseverance. We could say this, Moses would rate very high on the conscientious trait. But conscientious people sometimes persevere when they should be looking for something else. Well, Moses' answer is, I have to do this. I have to. It's necessary. There's no one else to do it. And Moses is not the kind who complains about every situation he's in. He endures it. He experiences it and tries to make the best of it. But his future is enslaved. 
He's not operating according to the future that God has in mind for him. He's not operating with the vision that God has for the children of Israel about who they are and what they'll become or how to be Moses. He doesn't even know how to be Moses in this situation. He's doing what he thinks he has to do because it has to be done. And then Jethro comes and says, verse 17, what you're doing is not good. Let's say that together, is not good. Now, how do you know something is good or not good? One of the ways is the evidence. Is it working or not? Is it useful or not? Is it producing the future for people that God has in mind for you to produce? What you're doing isn't good. You will certainly wear yourself out. And not only yourself, but these people here with you as well. So that's the first evidence. That's part of the argument. Here's why I know it's not good. You won't last, and neither will they. And when you fail, and when they fail, you'll have to do the unthinkable, or just give up. You'll have to do what you never thought of before. Or you'll give up. Have you ever refused to give up and burned out instead? Anybody ever try to not only burn the candle at both ends, but in the middle at the same time? <laughs> Have you ever tried to believe that a, a, a deficit in your bank balance wasn't really there? <laughs> have, have you ever not opened the mail because of what you thought you would find? Yeah. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. Have you ever just not wanted to know? I was uh, consulting a guy in a construction business. He never seemed to have enough money. And I said, well, what do your project reports show? Because uh, I had some experience doing project uh, construction and accounting. And he said, oh, I don't want to run those. <laughs> and I said, why? And he said, I'm afraid to look at the numbers. I said to him, you don't have to be afraid, you already know. You already know you're not making money, you're losing money. You just don't know how much. So, um, better that you know so that you can fix it. And he said, I don't know. I don't know. You see, there's a terror sometimes because we don't think that there's a future that's any better than the current situation, we think it's worse. And to know is even worse. People don't go to the doctor because they don't want to know. You'll certainly wear yourself out, and not only yourself, but these people here with you as well. There probably was some part of Moses that said, I want them to get worn out. I want them to stop arguing and fighting and mistreating each other and having all these problems. But that's not what Jethro was talking about. He said, it's too much for you. You can't do it alone by yourself. 
So listen now to what I have to say. I'll give you some advice and God will be with you. So here's the advice. You should represent the people before God and you should bring their cases to God. In other words, everybody's coming to you with their problems and what are you doing with it? You're, you're keeping it on your shoulders. You're trying to explain to them what they should do. But you should be standing before God and praying for them. You should learn to bring their hard and difficult situations to the Lord so that the Lord can be the Lord. You should teach them the instructions, the commands of God. Show them how to live their lives and what work they should do. Show them their part. Teach them how to live, what their work is, and how to do that work. See, it's not just on you. This is a time to equip people, not just to hear disputes. If all you do is sit as a judge, you'll be worn out. Not only will you be worn out, they'll be worn out, and the problems won't go away. You've got to equip a nation Then he says, verse 21, you should choose from among the people competent men who are God-fearing and honest and incorruptible. They can't be bought with money. To be their leaders in charge of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. And normally they'll settle the disputes. And they can bring you the difficult cases, but ordinary matters they should decide themselves. In this way they'll make it easier for you and share the, the load with you. And if you do this, and God is directing you to do it, you will be able to endure, and all these people also will arrive at their destination peacefully. That was his instruction. He saw the future differently than Moses did. And in a sense, the words of Jethro were meant to unchain the future that God had for Israel and for Moses. And it was important to do it quickly because if it was too late, Moses would be worn out, the people would be worn out, and you know what would likely have happen after that? People would just go back to Egypt, into slavery. Well, look at verse 24. Moses paid attention to his father-in-law's advice. He did everything he said. He chose competent men from Israel, made them heads over the people in charge of hundreds, thousands, thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. And as a general rule, they settled the people's disputes and the difficult cases they brought to Moses, but every simple matter they decided themselves. Moses was trapped by his own solution. This is what can happen to us. We have a problem, we create a solution. And then we're trapped by our own solution. And we feel enslaved to the solution we created. And Jethro is serving Moses in such a powerful way because he's saying, you're not trapped by that decision. God has a plan that's bigger than your solution. Someone once said, Today's problems are caused by yesterday's solutions. 
Another way of saying it is, today's solutions will cause tomorrow's problems. Because everything we do, positive as it may be, is a compromise of sorts, where we're weighing different things in the balance, and we have to keep updating and revising as we go. Moses wasn't operating in God's plan for Israel or God's plan for him. It wasn't because of sin, it was because of short-sightedness. And it took someone who saw the situation clearly, concretely, spiritually and practically, to come to Moses and say, you can't keep doing that. So Jethro was not a critic. If you've ever served in leadership, you know that critics are a dime a dozen. And critics are generally not helpful. But people who can help you find solutions, they're priceless and rare. But through Jethro, through Jethro, Moses got back on track. This is what I want to show you, is that it wasn't that Moses had this aha, it's that God saw what was going on and sent Jethro, and Jethro said, "Uh uh-uh, you got to fix it, here's how. A, B, and C, that's all it's going to take. And to his credit, Moses responded with faith. He trusted the Lord. He acted faithfully, and he fulfilled what God had in mind for him. And so fast forward now, how many centuries later? A lot. And Moses is still a man of influence. His life still matters. His teachings still matter. Because his future was unchained and it wasn't too late. And he got back on track. Some of you, I think, are... You're not Moses, but you've got a situation like Moses in that you've lost sight of your future. You're not, and I'm not talking about the dreams you have and the hopes you have or the desires you have. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about the dreams God has and the hopes God has and the vision God has for you. Sometimes people lose sight of their future because they never embraced what God wanted for them and they're trying to live a parallel life. It doesn't work. It may work for a while, but not very long. Others, you're just doing your best, but you're stuck. You're stuck. And I want to encourage you, get unstuck. And how to get unstuck? Well, ask God to send you Jethro. A Jethro. Open your own hearts for that. Well, my, my hope and my prayer for all of us is that the chains that held us captive would be broken and that we would freely walk into the future because we see how to do our part and what that part is. 
and that we would be surrounded at least by one or two others who will stand with us as we move forward in the future. You might think, oh, I need a lot more than one or two, but let me tell you this, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not easy to break. Wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, Yeshua said, there I am together with them in their midst. Start with one, add two. Try to be a three-chord strand. Don't try to do it all by yourself. If you're stuck by yourself, you probably won't get unstuck by yourself. Let's pray for God's help in this. Lord, thank you that you didn't abandon Moses to his own devices. You didn't leave him trapped in the future that he was creating for himself. But you're the master of his own future and you sent your word through Jethro to bring him freedom, to liberate him, and to take off the heavy burden that he had created for himself. And we pray for ourselves the same. We pray for freedom, that we would not be trapped or stuck in our own plans, but that we would lay hold of you, and that the good plans and the future and the hopes that you have for us would really develop in our hearts and that we could order our conversations, we could order our time, we could see how to live for you and how to do our work. We pray this in the name of Yeshua. Amen. Amen. Let's close with Aaron's blessing. If you're by yourself, just move over a little bit. Hey, Rabbi, do you remember the ironic benediction in Russian? Yes. Yes? Это хорошо. Спасибо. No Spanish. No Spanish. No Spanish? Да благослови тебя, Господь, и сохранит тебя. Да презрит Господь на тебя светлым лицом своим и помилует тебя. Да обратит Господь лицо свое на тебя и даст тебе шалом. And everyone said, Amen. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom.